I don't know what it is. I, I, I promise I really do prepare. I, I mean, my family knows. It's like, hey, guys, I've got to, you know, prepare for a sermon or... Um, they know what that looks like, and I really do prepare. And I, I mean, I have notes, and I'm going to go off of them a little bit. And I even have this thing where uh, my dad was like this, and it would always bug me because uh, <laughs> he would say, you know, um, if the Holy Spirit comes and the service just goes longer. And I'm like, well, why can't the Holy Spirit just come from the very beginning? Or, <laughs> you know, like, does the Holy Spirit not like order? I mean, like, it, only if things are spontaneous and unexpected to us that that's like really spiritual. And I actually have a lot of respect for people that plan out their sermons, you know, a year in advance. Thank you, Elizabeth. Um, that's prophetic. You have to get the heart of God to know what is going to be happening a year in advance and plan sermons around it and trust that that's really God. I think that's amazing. Um, I will say, though, <laughs> that I woke up this morning. Pizza's sweet. He takes all the kids with him early so I can just uh, sleep in a little bit and get ready. And one of the things I love to do when I'm getting ready is listen to worship music, which if you have six kids and you're trying to get ready, it's a lot of pausing of my music, like, hold on just a second. And I have to, you know, pause my music and they come in and they all have things that they want to say or talk about. But this morning I got to listen to worship music uninterrupted and I could just, I was, I could feel something different that God wanted to do. And I was feeling emotional <laughs> I really don't want to be known as like the crying preacher around here. <laughs> I don't think it's my identity. I just think it's a role that God is giving me right now. <laughs> and I don't know if it's for me or if it's for you guys or both. But um, yeah, I just, Bob's like, are you prepared? And I'm like, well, I, I have notes, but I'm maybe feeling like God just wants to do something different. And even in the service, um, you know, I just feel like God wants to get to our hearts. Not that he doesn't ever not want to get to our hearts. Is there ever a time when God's like, you know what, your heart is fine. I, I'm good over here. You're good over there. No, he always wants to be close to us. Always. And the contender, the, um, you know, Bob talked about it last week, and I actually, I wasn't here. I was at this uh, a luncheon for a nonprofit I'm on the board of, um, Hope After Betrayal, and so I had to listen to his, his podcast, and you surprised me, Pastor Bob, because I knew you were going to go with the boxing analogy. Did anyone know that? Like, as soon as they heard Contender, and I actually thought for myself that I was going to talk about Rocky and do my own, like, Adrian impression, but you did it first, and so it wasn't going to be as cool if I did it, but, um, but you shared that a contender is a dreamer. And I thought that that was really surprising because um, he was talking about we are made in the image of God and God is a dreamer. And he puts these dreams inside of us. And a dreamer is someone who looks at the way things are and says, it could be different. It could be better. It could be exactly the opposite of what it is now. And the part that he followed that up with, though, is that a contender perseveres. They persevere through struggles. They persevere through setbacks. And um, he was reminding us that God has hardwired us to dream. 
contenders look around and say, this is not the way it should be. I think we can do better. I think we can do more. And they're willing to hold on and like, you know, Pastor Bob was saying, get beat up, get beat up a little bit, get a little bloody, get a little bruised, but not for the sake of their own glory. Contenders in the spiritual realm, you know, contenders, when we're contending for the dreams of God, we're willing to do it for the sake of God's glory, for the sake of other people's good, for the sake of generations that we don't even know. And I think maybe that's what I'm I'm feeling the weight of, is that it's not just about the things, the desires in our own heart, although I wanted to talk a little bit about that, but that there are things that we are contending for now that we will not see. We won't see the outcome but it's still important for us to be willing to contend for the things that our kids will see and the things that their kids will see. And I know everyone's like, Jesus is coming back. The world's getting darker. Like, no, guys, we have to, we have, to have eyes to see. And there are going to be generations after us. Okay. <coughs> okay, I'm just going to start with <laughs> Something that... Um, that I was thinking when Bob was talking about being a dreamer is that contending requires us to wake up. We have to wake up because if we are asleep to the promises of God over our lives, if we've forgotten them, we have essentially taken ourselves out of the game. If we have fallen asleep to the desires and the dreams of our heart that we might, you know, in a not, you know, think that they're not spiritual or they're not godly. God seeded dreams and desires in your heart. He put them in there in seed form. And if we've fallen asleep to those things that he put in us as a kid, then we've already taken ourselves out. That's something that I, I often, I know for myself, God challenged me to do that, and I felt silly doing it, but I challenged my, my friends. I'm like, when was the last time you wrote down your dreams? When was the last time you did that? God has had me do that at different times, and I will go back. And it's so cool to find some journal, realize I wrote a dream list in there, and to go back and have to check things off, things that I thought were silly or crazy at the time, and God has already done it. When was the last time you wrote down dreams? And I want you to go back to the things that were in your heart when you were a kid, What did you want to be when you grew up? That says something about who God made you to be. I wanted to be all kinds of things. I wanted to be um, a teacher. A teacher, I really wanted to impact the next generation. I wanted to be um, an artist. But then I was like, you know, you won't make any money. And if I have kids, I'll never have time to do art. (laughs) But I wanted to create things. I wanted to put something out there like a picture that God had given me or design something that, that wasn't already out there. I wanted to be a journalist. I would get in front of the mirror and practice reporting stories live from a war zone or something. Because, you know, before the internet really took off, um, you didn't know what was happening all around the world unless someone reported it to you on the news, right, or wrote a book or something. I wanted to tell the stories um, of people's lives that were out there. The funny thing is that um, one of the things I wanted to be was um, a spy or an assassin. Um, But then I realized, like, I didn't really want to kill people, and I'm not good at lying, so... 
those ones were out. But I feel like I could still be like a spy in the spiritual realm or something, right? But um, the things that God has put in our heart as a child are things that he wants to see come to fruition. And it might not be in, in an exact, uh, you know, occupation. Some of us, though, we have to wake up to the, to the idea that God doesn't want us to fight our battles alone, the only beef I have with the contender picture of, of the analogy of boxing, I have no, no, you know, nothing, I don't think it's bad. The only thing I have about that is it's one person against another person. And that is not how we fight our battles. We have a whole host of angels behind us. We have God behind us. That's kind of a big deal. But we need to include our friends, the people who know what we're going through, and we need to be able to go to them and say, I can't do this on my own. I'm discouraged today. Will you lift me up in prayer? I can't fight this battle. I'm getting a little bit weary. Could you pray that my faith would be strengthened? We can't fight our battles on our own, and we definitely can't fight them in our own strength. Because if we do those things, guys, if we fall asleep to our dreams or desires, and we try to fight things in our own strength... We've basically done the enemy's work for him. So today I want to talk about contending. I had these, you know, four things, and I'll try to get through them, but that we as contenders, because that's who we are, it's who God made us to, do, uh, to be, th- these are things that we have to do, which is a little bit against my nature, because typically I'm like, it's about who you are. <laughs> but if who you are doesn't come out in what you do, then maybe you're not really fully expressing who you are. So contending is not just an act. It's an attitude. It's a heart posture of standing firm. And as much as we do have to speak words of life and use our mouths, um, contending is not just a confession from our mouths. It's trusting God through the process so that our thoughts and our emotions and our actions match what he's already said about the thing we're going through. So the four things here were um, pursue peace. Contenders pursue peace. Contenders find their fire. Contenders stay scrappy. You used that word last week, Pastor Bob, and that was already in my, I was like, scrappy. Contenders are scrappy. I like that one. And contenders hold on to hope. Pursuing peace. Um, Jamie Winship says that peace is a person, and his name is Jesus. And every single time we find ourselves up against something, we need to pursue peace. We need to pursue Jesus in that situation because there is a supernatural peace that is available for us to walk in no matter what our circumstance is. And there's a peace for us to walk in. We could still have all the crazy anxious thoughts that we're battling. We could feel things going on, you know, physiologically, like in our body that make, you know, we're feeling anxious. But there is a peace that is available for us to walk in no matter how crazy our situation is or how much despair we should be walking in. And God will provide us with that peace when in the natural we shouldn't feel peace and we shouldn't feel at rest. So one of the things contenders do is they pursue the peace of God and they let it lead them. So this would look like starting with, sometimes we react to a situation, a relational conflict or 
maybe a notice, you get a bill, you're like, I don't have the money, or um, maybe there's a, a health crisis you're going through. And what's the first thing that we do? We kind of react or we go into um, either, you know, shutting down, fight, flight, or freeze. Um, We either, you know, react in an aggressive way or defensive way. We can sometimes just ignore the problem. We're going to be in denial. And sometimes we just shut down. But pursuing peace looks like going, God, what should I be contending for? A lot of times we are contending for outcomes that God didn't lead us to contend for. Asking him, what am I supposed to be contending for? The thing I always ask is, God, what are you doing? Because it is never just about answering our prayer. It's what he wants to do in the process. So contending isn't pleading with God out of angst and anxiety that he's far away. You know, like in the story of Elijah and the, um, Elijah, Elisha, which one is it? The Baals, the prophets. Elijah, thank you guys, thank you. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, and, and the, the prophets are screaming and yelling, and I love, sometimes guys, the Bible is full of funny stuff and sarcasm, you know, and Elijah's like, maybe you should pray a little louder. Maybe your gods can't hear you. And sometimes when we are contending for something, we act like that. We think God is far away. And maybe if we pray for four hours instead of four minutes, God will answer our prayers. Maybe if we get into a room and we hype ourselves up with other people and we're screaming, God, you said. And I'm, I'm all about emotions, guys. <laughs> uh, I'm about emotions. But sometimes we bring the emotion into it thinking that the, the bigger the emotion, you know, the bigger we look or, or project, that God's going to respond to that He's not going to respond to that. He's not far away. I do this all the time with my kids. Well, I do it with Pete too. They'll be talking and they're talking at a really loud level. And I know other people are talking, but I'm like, I'm right here. That's what I say. I'm right here. You don't have to talk so loud. You're yelling at me. (laughs) I don't like to be yelled at. Um, God's right here. He's right here. You could whisper your prayer You could whisper that desire, the thing that's in your heart that you want to see happen. This is sometimes the way I pray, God, would you heal them? And it's like really quiet. It's not yelling. It's not shouting. And I'm I'm not against the yelling and the shouting. It's awesome. Yell, shout your prayers. But just remember that if you're doing that, that God's not far away. He's right here. I've had several people over the last few weeks where it's time to pray in like a group setting and they say, oh, I don't know how to pray or I'm not that good at praying. And I'm like, one sentence, that's all you have to say. Lord, would you touch her? Would you heal her? You know, that's it. Just say it and mean it. And maybe you don't even have to mean it. That's the cool thing about God. Sometimes we're like, I don't, I don't know how you're going to fix the situation. God, would you heal that person? And they get healed and you're like, it wasn't me because... I had the least faith of anyone in the entire room. But it's about partnering with God. God, what do you want to see happen in this circumstance? Quit fighting against God. He's over here doing this thing, and he's peace. And we're in anxiety, and we're off over here yelling at God to do something. And he's like, if you would just come closer, not only could you, like, come into this little sweet little bubble of peace I have for you that, you know, insulates you from all of the things that you're experiencing, um, but I actually have something I want to do in this. And would you ask me what I want to do? 
because we kind of sometimes have the two extremes and all of us can fall into the two extremes. We're not even always aware of it. We have this one extreme that says, if God wills it, you know, if God wills it, it'll be done. That's apathy a lot of times. And then we have this other extreme. If I ask it, God will do it. And if, I, if, if, you, if you do this thing that I'm asking for, then you'll be good, God. And that's kind of like the sense of entitlement. And it's not bad to say, God, if you do this thing, you, you know, wow, you'll get the glory. And there's nothing wrong with asking and knocking and pleading. That's actually something I'm going to be talking about in a few minutes. But to be aware, am I in, in apathy? Am I in entitlement? And asking God, what do you want to see done? Because I want to partner with what you're already doing. Because we are, we are prone to contend for outcomes, whether it's a healing. And like I said, disclaimers, not against praying for crazy miracle outcomes, okay? But we're prone to contend for outcomes that typically ensure us an easier life. Because if that situation gets solved, my life will be easier, I'll be happier. That person who gets healed will be happier. We'll all be happier. We pray for more money. We pray for a boss that isn't so difficult to work for. We pray for our spouse to be better, our house to be better, our kids to be better. Well, we want our kids to be happy, but I mean, I want my kids to be better too. <laughs> we want to we wanna be able to take those vacations. But when was the last time we got excited when God's like, I want you to contend for me to change you. I want you to be excited about this process I'm taking you through. I know it looks crazy. I know it looks like it's going to be bad. But I am so excited to be able to show up in a new way in this situation for you. I'm so excited to show you how good I am. I'm so excited to show you my heart for you. I'm excited to show you my glory. But when was the last time any of us prayed like, God, humble me. Just please, Lord, strip me of my pride. I want to be embarrassed. I want to look like a fool. I want to have to say I'm sorry and I'm wrong. And will you forgive me to all the people in my life that I don't want to have to do that with? Sometimes, you know, what if the thing that you should be contending for is asking God to change you in the process? The outcome, I, the outcome that I am always praying for, and sometimes I know I am a faith person, okay, so I do believe God can do really awesome things, um, but sometimes I have this sense that he's not going to do what someone is asking me to pray for, the outcome that they're asking me to pray for. And just being honest, I, I don't always know what to do with that. I want to partner with that person, but I have this sense that God's doing something different and it's going to look totally different than what they think God's showing up in their situation would be. But what if the outcome that we were always contending for is Jesus, would you do whatever it takes in this situation to make me look more like you? Because that's a prayer he will answer every single time if we mean it. You know, it's kind of like Peter when uh, he's telling Jesus, I love Peter, man, the disciple of Jesus. It's just, don't worry, God, you're not going to, or Jesus, you're not going to die. Don't worry. No, that's not going to happen. 
And Jesus has to be like, mm, it actually is going to happen, and you're going to deny me three times. No, never. And these are the things like where sometimes I, I think of it like in a movie form, like him shouting like, no, never. And then like the little, almost like a comedy like cut to like him being like, what, Jesus? No, I don't know him. That's not my accent. No, what are you talking about? I'm not a Galilean. Peter had a different outcome that he thought was spiritual and godly and, you know, the kingdom of God coming to all of Rome. So contending is a form of peacemaking. And, uh, and I want to have Nadia, my friend Nadia, come up here. She wrote this post on, on Instagram, and it was exactly something that I was trying to convey. And her family has gone through a lot of... Um, just health things and and difficulties and struggles. And I love the perspective that God gave her. Will you come on up real quick and just share that? Hello. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to try to do this because I did not practice. Thank you, Tamar, for putting me on the spot. All right. um, (laughs) The post was titled... um, From worriers to warriors, here I am today peering into something extraordinary, the medium place between being disabled and being healed. And for us right now, it's an entire season. It's a wound that's been recognized, looked at, and tended to. It's a headache that hasn't ceased, insomnia that hasn't allowed any rest, anxiety that's prone to fear. And it's in that very place that we stand, believing that we are in the middle of something miraculous. I think most envision um, instantaneous healing, and I believe in it. I think it can be, especially because I have seen it firsthand. But for some reason, it doesn't feel like that or look like it either. Instead, for some unexplainable reason, We are peering into new territory and having front row seats and watching a wound take its time to heal. The thing about wounds is that with the right care, it begins healing itself. In fact, it wants to. It's designed to by the creator who's made our bodies able. Our family's wounds are still raw. And every day, they like us to remind of it, us of it. But I'd like to add in writing that so does my God. And he wants us, and he wants to remind us that he cares so much more, that his love is so much greater. And he's asked me on many occasions if I will let him care over my children, if I trust him to mend their wounds, and if I confidently believe that no matter how much I know my children, he can reach some places better. And of course, if you've ever talked to God, (laughs) you'd end up with the answer of yes and amen. I ended there as well. And we've inched our way forward for a year now, letting go of bits and pieces until finally only crumbs remained. But oh, how I wanted them to stay How I fought to keep them too, shouting to keep them like an addict to his addiction. I guess that's how ingrained it was, how strong worry has attached itself to my heart and made me believe that somehow worry belonged to my definition 
of healthy parenting. Still, my God is great, and no matter how much I pleaded, he met my determination with his love and persisted to remove every bit of worry, crumb by crumb, until it was all gone, and I was completely emptied of it, so much so that I was at a place where I felt like I lost myself too. Uncertain now of what I needed to do or how to live out a role I've held for 17 years, caring, concerning, worrying over the little humans entrusted to me. As I think about it now, perhaps somewhere along the way, worry did outstretch care. Maybe worry even became care. Maybe it became so intertwined, one couldn't be distinguished from the other until the very hand of God began to unravel it and twist me up just a little to get every kink out. And I can stand here today with confidence and say that God's reach, God reach reaches far. So far that I believe our year of pain is really his reach into our spirits trying desperately to pull out the worry that's attached itself to our hearts and that's embedded itself into my parenting. For us, it took 360 days to remove every trace of worry in a process where I had to let go of daily concerns, thoughts, and natural patterns until so much was removed that I felt like who I was was removed with it. And I had to remember to ask what my role was I had to redefine what it is that I even do. My list is certainly fresh, but it's from this place that I find myself being certain of my function and role in my home, reminding the new me that I'm here to feed my family, encourage them, point them to hope above all else, speak life into them as often as I possibly can, and watch that our joy isn't taken that worry doesn't or hasn't seeped in again or ever again, and that I or we or them don't go running after what has been already handed over to God. But in short, <laughs> if I've, I've really just given up my care, and in turn, I've given up my identity as a worrier so that God can turn us into warriors. To hand all worry to him means I don't need to find the answers or look for the solution. I don't need to carry the weight or fear over the worst case scenarios or the uncertainty around a physician's report. Instead, I can state with all certainty that my God, he speaks to me. And when he prompts me to move, I will. When he prompts me to stand, I will. When he prompts me to act, I will. Because only then, when I stop running around in circles, clear-sighted, I'm finally able to see him and watch him as he unfolds the bandages, wraps them around each and every child, and allows their bodies to recover, absorbing the health in places only God can touch. I'm honestly mesmerized by all of it. If this season at its depth is meant to pull us out of worry and turn us into warriors, I don't know what else could better convey Christ's love and his deep care for us to live a life of victory. Thank you.
contenders don't just look like big, burly men in a boxing ring. They look like cute, tiny little Russians that <laughs> make their home beautiful and cook amazing things for their children all the time. And Nadia, she is a contender. I've, I, I'm her friend, and I, I've wa- watched her walk through her journey of um, just, you know, just things with their kids, diagnoses, health things, and that, are, that seem unexplainable. And every time I meet with her, her joy is not tainted. Every single time she's telling me what God is doing in the process. She believes there's a healing, but she's fully, like, eyes wide open. What is God doing, and how can I partner with him? Um, Okay. Here's the thing. The peace thing, submitting our thoughts and emotions to the peace and authority of Christ. Because when there is chaos, contending in peace brings the order of the kingdom of God into situations. And I would much rather contend out of a place of peace than out of a place of worry. And contending is not a personality. There are people that have very strong, I'm a go-getter personality. I will make this person like me. I will make this situation turn out the way I want it to. Because if you just want it enough, you can do it. And a lot of times, that kind of contending, when it's applied to something spiritual, um, it's, it's out of a place of angst and worry, actually, not out of a place of peace. Okay, second thing you have to do if you are a contender, you have to find your fire. Um, contending requires us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. At night, I'll pray over my kids, and it's, you know, sometimes I'm just, like, tired, and I just want to go back downstairs. I'm like, God, would you fill them, you know, with the power of the Holy Spirit from the bottom of their feet to the tops of their heads and overflowing so that they will be empowered to live the lives that you've called them to lead. And even when I'm saying it like that, I truly believe it. I don't want my kids to just know the Bible. I don't want my kids to just show up at church and have good friends at church I don't want my kids to even step out maybe and and serve and do some cool things and share at youth group in church. That is not my goal for them. That doesn't make me happy or proud. Um, But if they are filled with the Holy Spirit, if they know the sound of their father on their own, not through someone else telling them, that is what they need to live a life without me. You know, once they they get out of the home, I'll still be there for them, obviously, but they need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit themselves. And as contenders, we have to listen. It's that getting close, getting close to Jesus thing and listen, listening, only doing what Holy Spirit tells us to do. Only not running ahead of God, not dragging our feet back over here because he wants us to come over there and like change who we are and be humble and we're not ready to yet. No, sticking with God and then only doing what Holy Spirit tells us to do and then doing it with boldness. Um, It requires us that we have to know the power that we have been given and walk in it. And, And preparing for this, I was reading through Acts and 
I just love the contrast of Peter from his time with Jesus. That went like, I don't know Jesus, I don't know Jesus, and no, you won't die, and cutting off the, the guy's ear, you know, um, with his sword. When Jesus is, is getting, um, you know, his accusers are coming, and they're going to arrest him. And he's, he's that guy. Like, that's a whole personality type over there, and it's just like, wrong, wrong. Like, you just do, ev- you have a lot of, of gusto, and, and, you know, we appreciate that. But a lot of things he did were wrong. And then he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love the contrast of reading through Acts. Um, One of my favorite stories is in uh, Acts, well, it's from Acts 3 to Acts 4. But um, Peter and John heal a man who is begging them for money, who had been lame for 40 years. And after, I, I have to paraphrase this kind of to get through it, but I want you guys to go back and just read Acts 3 and Acts 4. It's so encouraging. So all the people marvel at this miracle And uh, Peter and John direct the focus back to Jesus and his power to heal and to save. And they, you know, even tell people in that moment, the boldness comes. They're like, oh, it's all Jesus, the one who you killed and didn't believe was the Messiah. People are still excited, though, because this guy just got healed. And they tell them to repent. Can't remember the last time I heard a sermon of just like, you know, yeah, this miracle is awesome, but you're the one that killed Jesus, the one who did it. You need to repent. And then 5,000 people respond to his altar call. Um, they get, <clears throat> Peter and John get put into jail by the religious leaders. And when they're called before the religious leaders to defend themselves, they repeat the same message that they told the people. Jesus, we're directing it back to Jesus. And you guys are actually the ones that did it. But they do it with even more boldness this time. The leaders are astonished by their courage because they're trying to bully them. And they tell them to stop teaching about Jesus's resurrection from the dead. And Peter responds with, we're not going to listen to you. Like, should I be afraid of you? No, I'm going to do what God tells me to do, and I'm going to obey him instead. (laughs) The religious leaders are terrified by this (laughs) response. They don't know what to do with it, and they release them, and they go back to their community of believers, and they pray for even more boldness and greater miracles to flow through them. And Acts 4.31 says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. We can know all the scriptures in the Bible. We can know principles and truth and wisdom, and that's awesome. But we have to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to know what Holy Spirit wants us to do, to be able to say what Holy Spirit wants us to be able to say, and to do it with boldness. And then after you've prayed for somebody, I mean, th- I'm, I'm contending for this in my life. I have seen miracles, okay? So I've seen people get healed in a moment. Um, never by my own hand. Now, someone might say, like, my back was hurting and it feels better, and that's good. That's awesome. I'm still contending for the, Lord, would you, would you use me? Would you use me? I'd really like to see something like blind eyes opened, like no leg, leg grown out. Like, not, not you know what I mean? I would love to see that. Anybody else? Like, I, I want to see those things. Something I'm contending for is, I get senses of something God wants to do, but I'm like, Lord, it'd be so cool if you would just use sleep. Could you use the time that I'm sleeping and give me prophetic dreams? That's something else I pray over my kids. Give me prophetic dreams that tell me exactly what's going to happen. And I have friends that they have these dreams. And I just think, don't waste my sleep, God. Talk to me while I'm in my sleep and tell me what's going to happen, right? Right. 
But we have to have the power of God to do those kinds of things, right? We have to be contending for that. So if you're not seeing that in your life, you don't go, well, maybe that's just not what I'm supposed to do. Jesus said we were going to do greater things than he did. And if you're not seeing that in your life, like me, I haven't raised anybody from the dead yet, um, I'm still contending for it, though. I'm still believing that that is something that God has for me. Stay scrappy. I don't have time to read it, but the parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18, 1 through 8, you can um, go back and read that later. But we have to stay scrappy. And I love the word scrappy because it implies you don't look pretty. You don't look cute. You don't look pulled together. If you're scrappy and you're fighting somebody else who looks, you know, maybe like physically they, they could take you, but the scrappiness is about the fight inside of you. And that parable of the persistent widow is, is saying that, like, keep asking, keep bugging people. And in the, in the parable, it's this widow who's going to this judge, and it says, you know, the judge doesn't, wasn't even a believer, and, but she was so persistent, which you know, i.e. annoying the heck out of him, that he gave her what she wanted. And when you're doing the hard work of contending, you cannot worry about looking pulled together. You cannot worry about looking logical and calm and rational. I love all those things. Like I want to be seen as that kind of person. And then sometimes God will have me do something. And I'm like, oh, they're going to think I'm crazy or they're going to think I'm not trustworthy now. But we have to be willing to do those things. And when you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't care. (laughs) We need to get to the point where, um, not that we don't care about people, okay? Not that we don't care about outcomes, um, not that we don't care about our reputation, meaning like we want people to know we love them, okay? But we have to not care about how we look when we're doing what God has asked us to do. We have to just not care. Um, we have to contend to keep bringing heaven to earth. At uh, MFI, there was a global pastors conference, and uh, Bill Johnson was one of the speakers. And I've heard other people say this too, but he said, Jesus is perfect theology, and we don't lower our theology to match our experiences. Just because I haven't seen something doesn't mean God doesn't want to use me to do something really miraculous. And so we keep contending to bring heaven to earth. Jan Stahl shared about that at Women Mentoring Women. It's there, but bring it down. The thing that we're desiring is already there, and there's that tension of it's done already, right? Jesus has already been resurrected from the dead. He's resurrected, but then there's the part where we bring it down, and we do that by being shameless. We do that by being audacious and asking bold things of God. God, would you keep pressing, or would we keep pressing in and asking God for those things? We have to stay scrappy. Last thing is hold on to hope. Contending requires us to know the character of God and remember what he has said. And our hope comes from our history with God. Sometimes we forget all the amazing things God has already done in our lives. We're like the Israelites. We forget so quickly. So he does some awesome, miraculous thing for us. We don't have the money. A check shows up in the mail for the exact amount for our water bill. And we're like, wow, God, you're so good. And then next week, your car breaks. And you're like, seriously, God? We forget. He just performed a miracle a week ago and said, I've got you. I'm providing for you. I see everything that you need and even the things that you want. 
So we have to remind ourselves of the ways that he's proved himself faithful to us over and over again. And here's the cool thing. If you don't have a history with God that you feel like you can fall back on, you can ask other people and you can borrow their history with God. You can ask them, how has God showed up in your life? Tell me about the stories. What are the miracles from your life? Look around the room. Whether you're young or whether you're old, you've got people sitting around you that have amazing histories with God. And we need to hear each other's stories so that it'll bolster our faith and we'll be able to say, man, man, God hasn't showed up for me in a dream yet telling me exactly what's going to happen. But, you know, I'm talking to Shannon uh, Chittister and she's like, this is how God speaks to me. This is what he does. I'm like, that is so cool. But what are the things God has said to you? How has he showed up in your life? What are the prophetic words he's given you? Go back and read them. Go back and listen to them. We need to remember, this is what God has already done to remind us that his character is good. And then thank him. Always remember to thank him once you remember what he's done for you. Hope is not a feeling. It is confidence that God will do what he said he will do. And it's knowing that God will not abandon you. Hope is worth holding on to. I think of Tammy, Tammy Tuominen, when she was uh, at the end of her life. She battled cancer for three years. And I got to spend a little bit of time with her in hospice before she died. And when people said that when you walked into the room that she lit up the room, you're just like going in there all somber, like how do we, how do we act, how do we do this? She would come out of her, you know, she was very sleepy and she would come out of it and her eyes would get bigger and her face would turn into this smile and she would say your name and it's so good to see you. And I spent enough time with her there that she finally just got to a point where she just said, you know, how long is this going to go on? I'm ready to meet Jesus. She was excited. She was happy. She made death, you know, death from this world, but going into her new life look enticing. She held on to hope until the very end. She didn't feel abandoned by God. He was right there. He was closer than he'd ever been. So what are you, what are you contending for? Do you know that Jesus is contending for you on your behalf? And I understand we can't just contend for everything. We just can't say like, you know, you know, just whatever is on our minds. But if we were to get into a little place of of quietness with God and stillness with him, God, what what are you wanting me to contend for? How do you want me to do it? Yes, we have to pull things down from heaven, stay scrappy. Yes, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but we cannot forget that we are not doing it on our own. We are not doing it on our own. We have heaven behind us. We have heaven behind us. You guys stand with me. I don't know what song you're going into or anything, but um, I'm just going to pray real quick, and then you guys can do it. Just bring the glory of God down, okay? God, I thank you that you are the original contender. I thank you that we are made in your image. You've made us to contend. You've made us to overcome in struggle. Struggle will not kill us. 
pain will not kill us. Circumstances won't destroy us. You've made us to be overcomers and contenders. Lord, I thank you for the dreams and the desires that you have put in our hearts, the things that you want to see happen in our lives. I ask that you would strengthen us, that you would give us the persistence and the, the, the tenacity that we need and the scrappiness that we need to hold on to those promises and pull them down until they're made real on earth. But God, more than anything, I just ask that you would help us with our perspective. That we wouldn't see ourselves as fighting alone. We wouldn't see ourselves as doing all the work. We are not forging a new path. It is a path that maybe no one else has walked on, but you have gone before us. You did the hard work. You did the heavy lifting. And our job is to follow you, to stay close to you that we don't have to contend out of a place of angst and anxiety and worry about the outcome, but we can contend from a place of peace because you are peace and we are with you. God, I just ask that you would just shift our mindsets, give us new eyes to see, show us how we can see you in a, in a, in a different way. Show us how you see us. Show us how you see our circumstances. God, we want to partner with you in our contending. We just give you those things today. In your holy name, amen.